Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Mark chapter 4, I want to read verse 35, Mark chapter 4, uh, reading from verse 35, it says this, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, let us go over to the other side, jump down uh, to Mark chapter 5, it says this, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted... At the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Go down to verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has been how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began, began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. And Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is still speaking to us today, that it's a living word. It's not just a book that was written 2,000 years ago, but it comes alive every time we open it. And by the Holy Spirit becomes a revelation in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray that these words would speak to us today that it would make a difference in our hearts and lives, but more than that, in the lives of people, I pray. We thank you for what you're going to do today. Let there be freedom to preach the word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Uh, Father, let the gifts be in operation even as I share today, and I thank you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We've been in a series entitled God's Glorious Church, and we've been speaking about the power of the local church. Uh, Last week, I spoke about the fact that the church needs to be glorious, not only in the building, uh, but also outside of the building as well. This is a really important principle and a really important truth that the church needs to be glorious, not only on Sunday, but also during the week. Uh, One of the verses that has really come alive for me over this COVID season uh, is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, it It says this, it's one of the most Well, one of the really important verses in all of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. That's just a powerful uh, scripture that right at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, some people struggle to even get past there. Because if we we struggle with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, well, the rest of the Bible is not going to be very meaningful at all. It's either we believe that in the beginning was God and he created the heavens and the earth or we believe something else. Now, one of the things that's being taught today in our schools that in the beginning was, was gases and then, then there was this big bang and then slowly we evolved into... I was thinking about that this week and I, and I was just thinking the complexity of the human being. 
And to, to just, just believe that somehow that's evolved over billions and billions and trillions of years. I mean, it's, 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 it takes a lot of faith to believe that. Now, even if, even if that's true, somehow along the line, you have, to, you have to grab this verse and say, well, in the beginning there was nothing, and then there was something. There was a gas or something. You don't even want to believe in evolution. In the beginning was nothing, and then this gases or whatever it is just appeared out of nowhere, and then slowly evolved into what we have today, you and me. Um, people say, well, then how can you prove that Christianity is real? What, 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 what's, the, what's the proof that Christianity? Because people say, well, evolution is scientific. Christianity is not. Well, what is the proof? Well, there's another scripture that, that, that starts in the same way. It's, Genesis, uh, it's, uh, it's the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. It's the, it begins in exactly the same way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Uh, and the word dwelt amongst us, verse 14. And the word uh, dwelt amongst us in, in, in that. It's speaking about Jesus Christ. What, 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 what is it that proves that Christianity uh, is, is, is real? Well, well, the greatest proof that we have is that Jesus came some 2,000 years ago. He dwelt amongst us. Uh, he lived uh, for 33 years. Uh, he died on a cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And, you know, as people have studied that over the years, tried to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of Christianity doesn't hang on Genesis chapter 1. It hangs on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And over the years, people have tried to disprove that. But all the historical evidence actually points to the fact that Jesus died and three days later rose again. No one else has been able to do that. Now, if somebody else can do that, I'm happy to listen to them. But I've not found anybody else that can do that. And that's why I've chosen, we've chosen, to give our life to Jesus Christ. Because there's no gaps in, in, in this at all. And uh, God, God is real. Verse continues and says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. We're living in a world today where, uh, where there's darkness. Not necessarily physical darkness, but there can be other types of darkness. Darkness doesn't necessarily refer to physical, but we can have a, a sense of hopelessness. We can, we can be, uh, there can be uncertainty, anxiety, and fear. And how does God deal with the darkness? How, does, how did God deal with the darkness that was present right there in Genesis chapter 1? The Bible says, he says, and let there be light. And God is still saying to us, as the church of Jesus Christ, how does God deal with the darkness in the world today? How does God deal with the uncertainty in the world today? How does God deal with the, with the anxiety and the fear? He says to us, uh, you be the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. As a church, we need to really be clear about our mission. And that is that we want people to, to, to come to a knowledge of God, not just know about God. Not just know God as some sort of historical figure, but a God that is interested in our lives, that loves us and cares about us, that has created us for a, a purpose. And today I want to continue on this theme and look at Jesus' incredible love for people. We've sung about it, the reckless love of God. And, and uh, I, I want to speak about Jesus' incredible love for people. Jesus believed that all people mattered to God, irrespective of social class or ethnicity uh, or gender. Jesus loved to spend time with the outcasts of society and those who were rejected, the lepers, the blind, the outcasts, the irreligious, the prisoners. And, and we, we see a clear example of this in the, in the story that we read in our text today. In the beginning of his ministry, Jesus would teach in Galilee, a large, and large crowds would, would, would gather. In fact, if you read uh, just a, a few verses before the text that I read today, you'll see that this large crowd had gathered to hear Jesus preach and speak and teach. 
uh, and the Bible says in Mark, the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in on the lake uh, while the people actually listened to him. Later in the text, as we read in, in, in the verse that I read earlier, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, this kind of shocked uh, the disciples because they knew who was on the other side. They, they knew who lived on the other side. Jesus and the disciples set sail and went from Galilee across the sea into the Decapolis region. Now, Decapolis was the Greek word for 10 cities, and it was enemy territory. Those cities were inhabited by pagans. It was filled with pagan temples. Uh, they, would, they had cults uh, that exalted uh, violence and wealth and sexuality. Some would even you know, uh, sacrifice their, their children to these gods. It was the center for Roman power. And they were everything that Israel were not. Does anyone know which animal was the most unclean animal in Israel? If you're not sure, it was bacon. It was the pig. Uh, on the other side... Uh, uh, it, pigs were worshipped. Uh, in Decapolis, there was a legion of soldiers, 6,000 Roman soldiers. Symbol of the legion was, you guessed it, it was the head of a pig. Jews regarded the other side as a place where Satan lived. It was dark, it was evil, it was demonic, and nobody ever went there. Nobody, none of the Jews ever went to the other side, especially not a teacher, especially not a rabbi. We imagine the shock on the disciples' face when Jesus says to them, hey, listen, disciples, I want you to get into a boat and I want you to go to the other side. What was he doing? Didn't Jesus know who was on the other side? Didn't Jesus know the kind of people that lived on the other side? We read in Mark chapter 5 that Jesus and, and the disciples go over there. Now, Jesus had been drawing massive crowds on this side, on, on, the, on this side of Galilee. But as he gets to the other side, as his disciples reach the other side, guess who was there? There was no one there, no large crowds that had gathered to meet Jesus. The only person who is there is this man, a man who was possessed by an evil spirit, and he's the only one. He's the only one that comes out to meet Jesus. This was a desperate man. Uh, no one could subdue him. Uh, they would try and chain him, but that didn't work. He would just break the chains and, and free himself. He was wild. He lived among the tombs. Things were so bad for this man that he would even cut himself with rocks. But when he sees Jesus, uh, he falls down on, the knee, on his knees before him. And he says to Jesus, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. And Jesus, as you read in the text, Jesus immediately sets this man free. He sets this man free. Now, just pause for a moment. I love this story. I love this story because, you know, as, as a pastor, one of the things as I, as I read the scriptures, I just always see the grace of God. I just see the incredible love of God. I just see how different Jesus was to the way I am or to the way we are or to the way we think. Here, Jesus leaves the crowd to go and minister to this one man. So Jesus is on this side of the lake, and the, and the Bible says large crowds are gathering. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me, if large crowds are gathering on this side here, I would say to myself, things are going really well here. It's a great opportunity to maybe start a podcast and maybe start writing some books, get a manager to be able to manage these crowds. And, 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 and I'd be saying, let's get a bigger building, let's get a bigger stadium, because the crowds are big and they're getting bigger. And if it was me, I, I would have just stayed on that side of the, uh, of, of the lake. But Jesus says, but Jesus says to his disciples, listen, we're not going to stay on this side. 
We need to go to the other side to do what? To minister to just one man. Just one man. And we may not be tormented like this man was. We, we, we may not be severely tormented like this man was. But we could still be oppressed by the enemy. We could still be oppressed by fear and depression, anxiety, by the past, by guilt. By, by, we, could, we, could, we could still be oppressed by all of those things. And I want you to know that the kind of God that we serve, the kind of Jesus that he is, he's the kind of Jesus that leaves the 99 as we've been singing. And he goes in search of the one. Now, I don't know about you, but I was that one person. I, I, was, I was that one person that was lost. I was that one person that didn't have any direction to life. And Jesus leaves the 99 to come in search for me. He's leaving the 99 to come in search for you because he has a plan and a purpose for your life because he wants to set you free from all those things that are holding you back. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He has one mission. The, 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 the enemy has a mission, and, and his mission is really quite simple. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not, the, he's not the kind of person that wants to build you. He's not the kind of person that wants, to, wants the best interest for you. He's the kind of that wants to steal and kill and destroy anything that is good. That's his mission. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full that you may have life and have it in abundance. That, that's, what, that's why Jesus came. The, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we experience life. And life in abundance. I think that's a really good name for a church, just for the record. I'm just putting it out there. Um, demons were afraid of Jesus and they asked to be sent into a herd of pigs. This is the next part of the text. We didn't read it. But so, so demons are afraid of Jesus. That's Send us into a herd of pigs. There's a herd of about 2,000 pigs there, and they rush down into a lake, and they drown. How did the people respond when they saw this? Well, the Bible says those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. Imagine being a pig herder that day. Come home with no pigs. And uh, your boss asks, where's the pigs? Uh, what happened to the pigs? Well, you never believe what happened, they'll say. Uh, pigs went for a swim uh, and they drowned. The Bible says this, and the people went out to see what had happened when they saw the man. Now, they knew who this man was. No doubt this man had a reputation. No doubt this man had, had, had you know, people, knew, oh, that's the guy that lives in the tombs. When they saw the man dressed and in his right mind, they were afraid. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And this is bizarre. This, this, is a, this is a bizarre reaction to what has just happened. It's interesting. They don't say, wow, this is a man with power. They, they, don't, they, don't, look at, they don't look at Jesus and think, gee, this guy's amazing. Look at, look at what he's done. Look at the transformation that he's brought about in this man. You know, I've got a sick mom, I've got a tormented child, I've got a troubled friend. Maybe, maybe Jesus can help him or her. No, 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 not these guys. You know what they did? They begged Jesus to go away because he was, he, was, he was from the other side. And people from there were hurtful. They despised them. They had an attitude of superiority. And they, they begged Jesus, can you leave here, please? Get out of this region immediately. Story goes on. I just love this story. I, I just love it. I know I've spoken about this before, but I just love this story. 
As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, says the Bible, begged to go with him. You've got to picture it in your mind. Um, here's this man who's been tormented all of his life. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a terrible life. He's been tormented all of his life and suddenly he's been set free by Jesus in one action, in one minute, in one moment. He is completely set free with Je- from Jesus. And the Bible says he begs Jesus to go with him, cries. He's desperate and he's, and, and, and he's saying to Jesus, let me come with you. Please let me come with you. He's desperate. He's crying, he's crying out to him. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, no. Jesus says to this man, don't follow me. Stay here and go and tell your story. Jesus didn't say to, them, Jesus didn't say to this man, Jesus didn't say to him, yeah, it's a great idea. Why don't you come into my boat, into our boat? You can be part of our very special club. We can sing together and we can do some stuff together. No, Jesus immediately says to him, don't come with us, go and tell your story. Imagine how he's feeling. It's not the answer he wanted. Imagine how he's feeling. He's thinking this loving Jesus, this incredible Jesus. He's saying no, he's saying no to me. There are some times where Jesus will say no to us. Just for the record, on a side note, and it's not because he wants to do us harm, it's because he wants to do us good. Imagine how he's feeling when the boat rose away, he says, fine, I'll do what he said. Mark chapter 5 verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Listen what happened. First time Jesus went to the other side, there was just one man and people begged him to go away. The second time Jesus comes, he has a completely different response. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 15. Listen to what it says. Great crowds came to see him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the dumb, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. People were amazed when they, when, when they saw, and they praised the God of Israel. The other side was now worshipping the God of Israel. What happened? What, what brought about such a dramatic transformation in the Decapolis region? What, what brought about such an incredible transformation? i tell you what it was. It was just one simple thing. It was this one man who told his story. One man that went from one town to another and said, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. And it changed whole cities. That's the, that's the power of telling our story. Today we've got so, we are blessed with so much. We've got our programs in our buildings and all of this is good. God loves buildings. I don't want, I don't want you to ever think that what we're doing here is, 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 not, is not the right thing, that, that, that God's intention is never to do what we're doing. This is only half of what we're called to do. We are called to gather. In fact, the, the word church in the Greek language has kind of two meanings. One meaning is for us to gather like this, but then the other meaning is, is to go out and make a difference for Jesus. What we need more than anything else as a church is the glory of God. What we need is for people to be transformed by the power of God, who will then go and tell his story. Paul said this, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. My words cannot make a difference in anyone's life. Can I hear an amen? That's right. (laughs) It's a little bit too loud for my liking. 
My words can't change anybody. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, it's only the Spirit's power. It's only by connecting to God. God can bring transformation in our hearts. Sometimes we think if we're going to change the world, we're going to be preachers and scholars. When all we need to do is just tell our story. This man could influence people that maybe Jesus could never, could never influence. And so he said to him to go. What was Jesus saying? All people matter to God. Even people on the other side. Jesus is here ministering to the crowds and he's loving it. The crowds are loving it. The disciples are loving it. They're thinking, hey, there's a real movement going on here right now. This is getting bigger and bigger. This is what we're expecting. And Jesus is there ministering to this crowd. But in his mind, he's thinking about this man who's on the, this one man who's on the other side. It's a similar story in, in, uh, in the Bible about Jesus and his disciples. They're walking towards Samaria and, and uh, the crowds are in the town. And Jesus says to the disciples, he says, go and get something to eat. And, and instead of going to where the crowds were, Jesus goes to the well where he meets one woman. A woman who had been troubled, had had a terrible life, uh, married five times. And, and she was a woman that was searching. She was searching for truth. She was searching for love. And Jesus, perceiving this by the Holy Spirit, instead of going to where the crowds were, he goes to minister to this one person. Jesus loves people who are on the other side. Even people who are pig eating, prosciutto eating, Kabigolo eating. Thank God we've been delivered in the name of Jesus in the New Testament. There might have been Italians on the other side. Devil worshipping, Roman infested. Amen. Oh, mm. And he used this one man. One man. To influence that region. Here's the big thought. It's such a simple thought today. Um, but it's actually a big thought. Jesus loves the other side. And what a different world we would live if as a church we could really understand that. We divide up the world with our side and their side. We all do. The right side and the wrong side. As a church, unconsciously, we've drawn a line around the perimeter of our walls. and We've said, well, this is our side and that's the other side. The majority of our time is spent with people on this side. We socialize with people on this side. We care about people on this side. And Jesus is saying, I love the other side. And he calls the church to reach out. When Jesus was about to leave, he gave his disciples one commandment. It's called the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go. Sometimes we think that this verse replies to, you know, it's a missions verse. I need to go to another country. Or I need to go to a place. No, the word go, it's better translated in the English language. Therefore, as you go, make disciples. Just do what you're doing. But as you do that, be an example for Jesus Christ. To all nations, not just our favorite nations. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to receive power. What, 
What, is, what does God want us to be? What, what, what does God want us to be as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ? Notice what it says. It doesn't say, and you shall do my witnessing. That's what we think we need to do. No, just be. The, great, the greatest thing that we can do is be an example of Jesus Christ. That's why one of the greatest prayers that we need to pray every single day, I pray this prayer every day of my life. Lord, I just want to become more and more like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus, act like Jesus, behave like Jesus. That when people see me, they don't, they don't see Joe, that they would see a reflection of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. I've still got a long, long way to go. But I pray that by His grace, that every single day I'm going to become a little bit more like Jesus. And you shall be my witness. witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't preach or doesn't teach or doesn't... Say, a witness just said, hey, listen, a witness just describes what they saw. They just describe what has happened. And he says, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You, the, the interesting thing about that, and, and those of you that have been in church for a while, you, you understand the significance of those towns. But, but you've got to understand, Jerusalem was their town. Uh, Judea was a little bit further out. Samaria, they hated the Samaritans. Jesus is passing by. He sends his disciples into Samaria. And then he begins to speak to this Samaritan woman. When the disciples come back, they go, what, what is he doing speaking to her? She's from the other side. Jesus gave this message to 120 people in the book of Acts. And what, what were the odds of them changing the world? Who was more likely to change the world? Christianity or the Roman Empire? And yet... This movement was so successful that 2,000 years later, people are still being influenced by the gospel. How did it happen? How did it happen? Were, they, were these Christians, these early Christians, were they, were they intelligent? Did they study? No, it happened because the presence of God was so strong on them. It happened because the early church followed the example of Jesus Christ to love people. Three very quick things to take home for this message. Three quick things that we need to do to make this a reality. Number one, we need to pray. Number one, we need to pray. Pray for those around us. Pray that God will use us. Make yourself available to be used by God. The church doesn't stop being the church after we finish on Sunday morning. The church starts to be the church as soon as we leave this building. One of the greatest prayers that we pray, I'm challenging myself every single day. Lord, uh, you know, I just want, I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to be your mouthpiece. Just use me. That's, that's all we need to do. You, you don't have to think, well, who knows what I need to do today? No, you don't have to worry about any of that. All you need to do is make yourself available to be used by God. Just pray. Pray for the people around you. Pray for your neighbors. Pray. Pray that God will use you. Number two, care. Take every opportunity to express the love of God. Never underestimate the power of God's love to impact people's lives. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. He went about doing good. And it influenced so many people. Care for people genuinely. Pray for people. And number three, just do what this man did. Just tell your story. Just tell your story. Speak about what Jesus has done in your life. How the church responded to the other side caused them to grow. And ask the worship team to come. Every Sunday, the body of Christ gathers and we worship and pray and that's good. But, but then on Monday, Jesus goes on the road through you and me. So where's the other side? 
for you? What's the other side that Jesus is calling us to? Maybe it's in your home. Maybe maybe the other side is closer than you think it is. Maybe it's just in your home. Maybe there's a division in the home. I don't like them as much as I like this side. Maybe it starts with your marriage. Maybe it's in your office. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's a different people group. Maybe it's a different culture. Maybe it's a different generation. Will you love the other side? Will you step out of the boat and go to the other side? One more story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a great story. The Bible says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Two religious men came, Pharisees, and they just walked right past him, ignoring his pain. Now, this was not an unusual story. This was the kind of thing that happened from time to time, particularly the road that Jesus was referring to from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a difficult road and robbers would, would get on the side and as people went past, they would attack them and rob them. So picture this. There's this, this guy who's been beaten on the side of the road. And Jesus says, two religious men came past. They just walked right past him. And then a Samaritan comes past, a good Samaritan comes along who is a type of Jesus Christ and he comes and he saw him and he took pity on him and he went on to him and he bandaged his wounds and he poured oil and wine on his wounds. He placed him on his donkey and he took care of him. Each of those things speaks to us about how God ministers to the world around us. The question for me is this. Which, who are we like in this story? Are we, are we like the religious men? Or we like the Good Samaritan. I pray that as a church, we would never be just a religion. Here's the thing. God hates religion. He hates religion. Religion is where people have an appearance of spirituality, but lack the power thereof. I pray that we would never be a religion, a religious church. I pray that we would demonstrate the love and the grace of God. Religion is about what we do. Christianity is completely different. Christianity is about who we are. It's about a group of people that have been transformed by the love and the grace of God. It's a group of people that have experienced the grace of God. We were that one person on the other side of the lake. And Jesus left the crowd to come in search for us. And we're so glad He did because because of His grace and mercy, we've been set free to be everything that God has called us to be. I pray that we would never be like these religious people, but we would be like the Good Samaritan. Jesus finishes this story. And He says, and I believe it's a word for us as a church, go, go, and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Go and do the same thing. Some of the most wounded and hurt and suffering people are all around us, just for the record. Sometimes we think, you know, the people that are hurting might be the poor or uh, really disadvantaged. And, and certainly Jesus calls us to minister to them. And as a church, we want to do our part. But, but sometimes some of the most hurt and wounded and suffering people actually wear a suit and tie. Come to work with us. Look great on the outside, but they're broken on the inside. 
And Jesus wants to minister to them as well. We're going to stand. We're going to quickly sing the chorus of a song. Then we're going to wrap this up. Thank you. Praise God. What a great song. Just captures the message this morning. There's two thoughts that uh, come out of this message which are really important. God wants us to go to the other side. I want that to become a revelation in our hearts. I'm not going to stop speaking about this. I'm going to come back to this again and again and again to remind us what this thing called church is really all about. Thank God for what we experience Sunday after Sunday. Thank God for this. But God, the church doesn't stop being the church here. This church starts to be the church as soon as we move out of this place. And I just want you to pray just two things this, this week. Just pray, Lord, when you wake up in the morning, say, God, just use me. Use me in some way and just be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and use you in a powerful way. And secondly, there might be some people here today and you feel like this guy that's been beaten on the side of the road. And it just feels like people are walking past. It feels like nobody cares. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you, that he is the good Samaritan, that he sees you and he knows your pain and he knows what you're going through and he cares about you. He's the kind of God that picks us up and he, 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 he bandages our wounds. The Bible says he, 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 he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Just a, It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our hearts and life. He loves you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And all you need to do, just open up your heart to Him and just say, Lord, I just want to serve you. I want to know you in a greater and a deeper way. And maybe maybe you're kind of confused. Maybe you're wondering, oh, is He real or not real? Is this Christianity thing real or not? Because these two things, these two opposing thoughts, what the world is saying and what the Bible says, uh, can, cannot both coexist. One is right and one is wrong. And, and maybe you're not sure. Greatest prayer that you can pray is, Lord, if you're real, I want to know. It's one of the greatest prayers that we can pray. It's a simple, honest prayer that comes from our heart. It says, Lord, if you're real, I want to know. I don't want to get to the other side of eternity and and discover that all of this was real. If you're real, I want you to know. I want to know you. And if you pray a simple prayer like that, I I can assure you that one of the things is true. One of the things I know true about God, He always reveals Himself to people that are genuinely searching and reaching out to know the truth and to seek after Him. If that's you, I want to pray with you as we close the service today. Father, I just thank you for this congregation. Because each of us was that one person. Each of us was that tormented person. We're so grateful that you left the crowd to come in search of us. You left the 99 to come in search of the one. We were lost. And you came and you revealed yourself to us. We experienced your love and grace and forgiveness and peace and joy. Father, we've, we've experienced, uh, Father, who you are. And, 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 and as a result of that, we, we experienced life. And we love you so much, Lord God. I just pray for people in the congregation right now. That there might be some people that are broken and wounded today. Father, they look good on the outside, Lord God. But inside, they, 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 they're broken. There's, 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 there's issues. There's battles that they face every single day. Father, I just pray that by the Spirit of God, that they would get a revelation of your love and your grace upon them, that your love for them. I just pray that in the name of Jesus, that they would be set free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That this word that we preach, Lord God, would not just be theory, but it would become a reality, a revelation of people's experience. 
We just love you so much, God. We just want to serve your purposes. This week as we go, I pray that you would use our hands, our feet, our mouth. We make ourselves available to be used by you, Lord God. Help us to do what Jesus would do. Help us to say what Jesus would say. Help us, Father, to be the people you've called us to be. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen.